Welcome back. Today is a very big day. It is episode 100 of the Boss Business of Surgery series podcast. I cannot tell you how much of an honor and a privilege it has been, the guests that we've had, the topics we've discussed, the lives that have been changed. It's truly just mind-blowing. Thank you so much for joining me. I think you're going to really love this episode as well. And if you're a female surgeon, don't miss your chance to sign up for Stop Hating Clinic. Head to BossSurgery.com to see more details. Welcome, surgeons. Residency didn't teach us everything we needed to learn to be a successful surgeon. While we spent our time caring for patients and learning how to operate, we didn't learn how to advocate for ourselves or navigate our career. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Vertries. I'm a general surgeon, certified coach, and founder of the Boss Business of Surgery series. This is where you'll learn those lessons not taught in residency. Welcome back. Dr. Tamara Beckford is an emergency room physician from Houston, and we have had the most amazing conversations over time about all the things that she is doing for private practice physicians and just physicians in general. She has this amazing LinkedIn live streaming channel called Your Caring Docs, and that is spelled U-R Caring Docs. And she has the most amazing guests and the most amazing insight. And she was telling me about this idea of private practice retreats, about how to increase the profitability of your private practice. And I know a lot of us are thinking of that and also have fear on this. And me being private practice myself, I totally get all of that. And I discovered this on an individual level. And she's going to tell us more on a practice level about what happens when we do not leave space for us to plan for our business. And you know that's our CEO time that is so important that actually generates lots of money, but I did not even think about the rest of the team. And so she is here to tell us all about that aspect. So Dr. Beckford, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much for having me on this wonderful podcast, along with the rest of your esteemed guests that you've had before. As you mentioned, I'm Dr. Tamara Beckford. I'm an ER physician. I'm located in Houston, Texas. Um, been practicing medicine now for almost 15 years um, outside of residency, and we know how that is. So you've gone through a couple different phases in your career at that time. You're just out of training and everything is either you've had two, a, a bipolar sect, either things were great because you had no idea what was going on. <laughs> so like life just appeared to be grand because the income increased by four or five folds from residency or you were just miserable. So I was on this portion where things just seemed great. And I was like, oh, life is just great until like year five. Year five out of residency, I just started to just feel a little unsettled. And at that time, I didn't realize that that's probably was a burnout thing that was going on. Um, I switched from one um, hospital system to another. Um, and in that switch, I felt rejuvenated again. I'm like, okay, well, great, I'm here. Um, however, as time progressed, I found that there was this yearning inside of me that said that I can do more with my life. And uh, as physicians, and for those who are listening to this wonderful podcast, a lot of us have this yearning that we're a little bit more like, what else is it that I can do? Because I got put in a category, said, oh, doctor, and then a category ended. It was almost like doctor, period. Thank you so much for playing this game. <laughs> and you're mm -hmm. like, there's more that I, I, I have more that I can 
offer this world. So as I looked through different ways to um, expound upon that, entrepreneurship is one of the avenues I ventured into. Had no clue, no idea about that. Went in and joined. A lot of you guys might know the D business school. So I joined there and started to develop myself. One of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of us as physicians, as I mentioned, we have this yearning inside to do more. And it's really stemmed from why you became a physician in the first place. It's help. How can I help? How can I give? How can I give? Those who have gone into private practice, you're there because you want to give from a place where you have the autonomy to do so. Amen, yeah. sister. <laughs> Life starts to happen because running a private practice is not easy. And then you're on a hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. And the hamster wheel is keeping this practice going. I went into medicine learning. And this is why this podcast is so important, right? Like you said, these are things that we did not learn in residency. You learned how to be a doctor. So throw anything doctor at you. And you, for those of you who have kids who play that, that game, any games, like those ninja games, it's like, you can do it. Right. (laughs) Medical at you. Yeah. But if it comes to now dealing with personalities, dealing with the staff, I think that that's what burdens a lot of our practices. And that's now when you're like, well, can I just like now I have to deal with everything else and that's where I think the additional stressors lie with those who are in private practice and as I kept um helping as a part of um, what I do I help to mentor I'm around a lot of physicians I'm around a lot of physicians who are starting private practices who've had well-established practices seven-figure practices doing very well and there's a common theme And the theme is, you know, how can I work well with my staff? How can I increase productivity? I would love to, I know that we're doing well, but I know we can do so much more, but I just do not have the time to think about it. Oh, yes. Continue where I am. And I'm just so happy that I didn't think. Right. And I completely agree with you because when it comes to private practice, what happens is that you're now very acutely aware that what you do generates income. And if you don't do something, you do not generate income. And so we focus on the income generating stuff, but sometimes the things that are most valuable are not at its surface, the the ones that are going to give you the most money. And I think that the CEO planning, like we mentioned, I I discovered for myself. And I've also, on a second note, I was told when I started private practice that the biggest challenge you'll have is other people. And I was like, I'm not going to have that problem. I'm a people like me. Do you know what the biggest problem I've had with private practice is? People. (laughs) Absolutely. And and it's so interesting because you're having to deal with dynamics, you're having to deal with personalities, the turnover, work ethics. Yes. Did I hire the right person? Did I hire the right person for the position? 
there are just so many factors, right? So even as I was at my own doctor's office yesterday and he, his wife has two dental practices and he says she's ready to just give up and she just wants to leave because she, she just wants to just do dentistry. She doesn't want to have to deal with the practice and the people and the staff. And she's just ready to just give up her practice. She's been working on this for 12 years. She has two offices and she's literally ready to just throw in the towel. Yeah. And it's when we think about it from the standpoint, those who are listening, who might be in private practice, not in private practice, or even someone who's listening, who's curious, you're not in medicine, but you're listening from the outside. When we think about what is a business in at its essence, a business solves a problem, right? Mm -hmm. So now if that business closed, then they're not able to help the population, the patient population is there. So for example, that doctor or the dentist who has two practices, who's just like, oh my gosh, her patients are not going to have to scramble to find someone else, scramble to find someone to take care of them. And it, at the essence, I know that's not what she wants. She just needs that time to just, how can I just, it's almost like when your kids are like, mama, 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 mm -hmm. mama. And, you know, you're just like, I just really want to just use the potty by myself. Mm -hmm. Just a minute. <laughs> just a minute. Just a minute. And so the fingers are underneath the door yeah. tingling up at you. And you're like, wait a minute. And, and that's what I feel is missing a lot within our private practices. We talk about the CEO time, you and I were talking, and the practice has not been able to get it's CEO time. Right. It's the business planning time. Now, I saw this great thing. I'm pretty sure it was Donald Miller's podcast where he talked about, you know, building something. And with private practice, we're building something and we're building the practice we want with the people we want. Mm -hmm. And they had something that I still think of often where he says, you know, be careful what you build. You know, you're building a, mm -hmm. you know, these boundaries around this. Now, are you building boundaries around a playground or a prison? Oh, it's so I, insightful. Yes, because, you know, it's a fine line sometimes, isn't it? Yes, yes. And, and it, when you really think about it, like the atmosphere that you have, and even as a leader of your practice, because I mean, you are leading. When you think about like CEOs and leaders, like what dynamic do you want in this environment? Because you have the ability to structure the environment the way that you want mm -hmm. it's not easy but you do have the ability to do so so you're right do you want a playground or do you want a prison yes and I think comparing it to your kids is a really safe or a good description because you know like the kids you just can't escape from and that's the whole thing and mm -hmm. building a business that you can escape from is also important and that dynamic can carry over because it is kind of like your child <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, it, it's a, it's you've nurtured it just like you've nurtured your own children. You've put effort into it. You think about it. You troubleshoot it. You foster the growth in it, just like you foster the growth in your own children and emergencies that arise, you fix the emergencies. So it is a lichen to, like you said, a, a family member. <laughs> You're exactly. 
Now, where did you get the idea to start focusing on like the business and the team building aspect of the private practice? Because I know like for me, my first thought was like, how am I going to do extra time here when we're we're in the business of making money for this so we can get this to survive? Where did that mind shift happen for you? So it, it happened as I kept listening more and more. So we think about burnout and burnout is, is something that I focus on. And I talk about burnout and, you know, how to prevent burnout or reduce stress and burnout in organizations. And as I kept filtering and I looked around, I realized that we have some of the large organizations have these incentives and ways to try to deal with this. But what about our smaller practices that need the same attention, but is not getting it? And so that's when I started to look because the factors are, are, are kind of similar when you're thinking about like a retreat or how to unify the people. But it takes time. And one of the challenges is that a practice that's a busy practice, they are trying to do this. But at small levels, such as in their staff meeting. Now, if we think about a staff meeting, we're doing it. And then right after the staff meeting, we're rushing off to see patients, to see our clients. So you cannot really incorporate all that you need within that staff meeting. But that staff meeting is a microcosm of what you do need. Like, okay, how can we increase our um, efficiency here? Okay, let's try this. Great. All right, good. Okay, the first patient's here, Dr. Such and Such. All righty, well, let's go. Great. Good job, guys. Blah, blah, blah. And then we're off, right? So seeing how that can affect, and then the owner is still, or the private practice, the lead is still dealing with the issues and it's still unresolved, or you haven't had a great external plan. So I thought about all this and, I'm, and I said, but within the practice, they probably have tons of staff who can generate great ideas. And so the practice ideas might not have to come only from someone else, but it can come from within. So why don't we pull from within? Because they know their practice, they know their flow, they know their dynamics. And this is something that I, we pull in coaching anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's really just going within, pulling the strengths out, fixing the problems because we see it. However, doing it together in a space where you're not rushed to go off. So when I think of an employee um, private practice retreat, it's not the morning of clinic. It'll <laughs> Yeah, I've mean, tried that. <laughs> honest, and and then because you don't want to interrupt flow, you want to put the atmosphere in an atmosphere where there's creativity, and we know an atmosphere for creativity, things have to slow down, and then we have the burst of creativity, ideas generating, problem solving is occurring, the team is getting unified. I thought about this. I remember when we had this situation, everyone in that room remembers because it's their practice. They've been there together. So I came up with this great idea. However, 
The great idea to fix the flow of the practice might not come from the CEO or the, the practice lead. It might be from that front desk person who's been looking and seeing and saying, man, you know, the last place I worked at, they did this and this, but that person might not be the vocal person, right? It might be from the lab tech that's looking at the flow and saying, wow, if we just tweak this part, I feel like we can increase efficiency. It might be someone who is working in the, the billing area that said, boy, I'm noticing so much of our issues are, are arising at this point. If we tweaked our patient population by this, we can probably increase our productivity, increase the profit within the practice. They're just, they're tons of ideas that's there. How can we market? The marketing ideas, a lot of clinicians, you've run out of marketing ideas. Why? You're working clinically. <laughs> your creativity towards marketing might be low. However, your staff might have ideas. I remember I did the retreat for another, for a private practice in Maryland. And it was so interesting hearing about the market. And they said, there are a lot of the patients that's coming from private practice or this clinic over there, they're rejecting these patients based on this criteria. We take that criteria. So we can just automatically know those patients, tell the patients they don't need to even stop by and get rejected. They can just automatically come here. What do you think is going to happen with that practice? Yeah, raises and their it, income. Exactly. And it came from within, from the ideas, because the private practice owner had no idea that this was going on. Who knew it was the person who's dealing with that said, they're the ones that's fielding the phone calls. They're getting phone calls from this patient. And when they're talking with them, they're noticing a trend. Right. I can see this, this idea of tapping into the talent that you have in your office and, you know, seeing the processes that you may not see so you can improve the process. But the most important thing that I think is intangible is creating the environment where they could feel empowered and supported and valued. And that is what's going to keep your employees there. Mm -hmm. And that is going to save you lots of money in the, the long run, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the power of this. When you start that retreat, um, because people hear retreat and they're thinking like, oh, are you going to go off to an island and have massages? It's a retreat of the mind of, of bringing the team together. So it's a it's a retreat where we're getting connected and we're unifying to, for the goals of the business. But before we even get there, we're getting to know each other better and tapping into each other's hidden talent. So that's where we draw and get connected because once I'm more connected and it's not only, yes, we understand the, the hierarchy of the business and those, you know, who owns it or everything. But if we get connected and know each other on a, a deeper level as a team, so it's a team connection, then it's different than, 
oh, that's, you know, I just go there. I work at the front desk, but the back staff and the front staff doesn't get along. And, you know, we're not dealing with that. We're going to, how can we work together as a team? And when we're getting to know each other and I know you, like at one of the retreats, so I didn't even know this person had a twin. You mean I've been working with you all this time? I didn't know you were a twin. You know, just just little things like that, that you get to know the team. And then from there on, you start working on the goals of the practice. What is our mission and our vision? What do you see as the mission and the vision of here? And then the leader can project, this is what I envision for this practice. This is where I want us to go. And then the team now works and says, okay, this is what I saw. But now that I see the vision that you have, wow, I can see how we can get there yes. by this. There's this great book called Collaborating with the Enemy, How to Work <laughs> with People You Don't Agree With or Like by Adam Kahane. And as you were talking, that, that came up for me because, you know, when you talk about someone sharing their vision, that's the thing that happens in, in we may have difficulty if the CEO says, this is my vision. And people are like, nah, I, eh, that's not what I see. But yeah. the idea of like a shared vision, the whole, uh, one of the points in the book is this idea of like, when you're collaborating with people that don't agree or don't even necessarily get along, everyone mm-hmm. has this idea of what they want. And the problem is, is that we're always fighting for what we want and we're not going to give it up. Then yeah. well, there's no creativity. It's basically like my, why, why are you not letting me have my way? And mm-hmm. everyone is feeling this way, which is a, is where we get this, you know, enemy environment. But if you create this creative space where people can share their vision and know that without the pressure of saying, you don't have to agree, we're just kind of throwing this out there, what could potentially happen? We start mm-hmm. to see the opportunities that we didn't see otherwise without the pressure necessarily of saying, this is what we have to decide in the next hour, because this is what this meeting is for kind of thing. Yes. And because we have patience, let's go. <laughs> exactly. So if you're in a rush, then everyone's just trying to find a solution. But mm-hmm. you know the creative process allows you, just like he talks in this book called stretch collaborations of just sharing lots of different ideas without the pressure of having to get your way or them get their way. And you start to imagine all the possibilities of what could potentially happen in your practice. And that would spark a lot more ideas than just, you know, how are we going to get this hour of whisk? We can see our patients that I'm already thinking about. I'm here, but I'm I'm already not here. (laughs) So now tell me a little bit about these physician retreats. You know, mm-hmm. how do they, how are they set up and how do we go about it and all the things? Oh, absolutely. So it's an in-house retreat. So we can do it in-house, which I think is great because you're in your space and you can look around and you can visualize what can I improve on? What is it that I see? What are the flows? So it's done in the office within itself. I bring all my things towards you. So you're not. Nice. (laughs) I'll bring my team to the office and then we'll have it. It is, as we mentioned, on a day where the clinic is closed. So it's a half a day. So ideally, say if your clinic is from Monday to Friday, then it'll be on a Saturday morning. 
for four hours, a half day, you bring the team together. By the time you leave, the team will feel not only um, valued, you'll come together, you'll have an outline as to where your next steps to increase um, your productivity within your office. You'll have um, appreciation, team appreciation, and at the end, the team just feel unified. So this is an, it's not a grievance session. It's not grievance counseling. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. okay, let's come together, get to know each other a little bit more, and then let's work on ways to improve where we're working. Let's work on ways to improve the, the goal and the mission. We would love to ABC. So what are some ways that we can do that? And we're getting ideas from everyone. So it's not just, well, their ideas are better than ours. Because <clears throat> as you mentioned, even in that book, ideas are generated from everywhere. And also when you can invoke the mission onto the team and they realize why you started this practice in the first place. I mean, someone that comes to work for you, they're just there working, right? Do they know what your passion was when you started this practice? The original intent? Have you been able to vocalize that to your team? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, how powerful is that? Like, a lot of us have not. We've just said, okay, thank you so much for joining our team. Here is the area that you're going to be working on. These are your tasks. But when they can say, when you can sit and say, like, when I started this practice, this is what I felt in my heart to deliver to this. Like, how much different is that? Yeah, very. You know, and then now this is where we are. And this is where I would love us to be. Here. I would love to get the ideas on ways that we can get there. Marketing ideas, flow ideas. Where is it that we can improve upon the bottlenecking that we're having here? Or is there something that you've noticed that we haven't been able to address during our meetings? All right, let's start working. And then, okay, well, what are our top threes? Okay, well, here it is. Now that we know our top threes, this is what we're going to talk about here in this. And then, you know, we do a way that will, uh, you know, send appreciation to the team to let them know we're appreciated. And then you'll get a list of the things that you need to work on and get a follow-up, a follow-up in um, 60 days and another follow-up in 120 days. Well, how, you know, how is this working out? These were your goals because we know how the mind is. Oh, that was so great. I had a great time. Oh, we're going to go back to our normal ways though. Resist that urge. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, it's easy to go back to those comfort levels of just of back into those patterns. Into the, but that's why we do the follow-up. Have you been able to, you know, you get, you have all of it in front of you. These are the ideas that you generated as a team. Yeah. I can tell you the biggest problem that I had with, with personnel was when the practice changed because we started off very small. So three years ago, very small, then it got mm -hmm. bigger and the dynamics changed and the people, some of the people did not change with it. On these retreats, do you ever identify like when something like this 
I've identified that this is probably not going to work. Maybe this person should move on. Do you ever see that in the retreat and and how do you manage it in that? Or is it that not really the place for it? So to, we call that dehiring in my, my, in my soul. Oh, nice. <laughs> So yeah, so my of, of the physicians. <laughs> yeah, we call it the dehiring process. <laughs> During that retreat, the dehiring, no, it doesn't happen there. What will probably happen is the dynamic that person will realize that they do not fit within the team. And it becomes more apparent because if all the team is going forward and that person is stubbornly sitting and not moving forward contributing well maybe this is just not the place for you maybe if identifying that earlier then yeah absolutely if you're unhappy because the intent of this is for the team to leave fulfilled to leave energized a renewed sense of spirit to work towards these new goals if you are not click in any of those categories or you're you've entered with a closed mind you've left with the same closed mind maybe this environment is just not the environment for you and no you will not pull the rest of the team down because the team is moving forward and at that point, maybe it's a time for a separation if, if the goals are not aligning. And that's why it's so important for the goals to align and for everyone to understand what the goals are and why we're working towards it. Right. So how often would you suggest having these retreats? Because, you know, I could tell you like each year in my practice has been different and mm-hmm. our vision has changed over time. Like the first year was growth. And the second year was optimizing it, you know, the standard operating procedures and everyone getting their stuff, you know, written down and figured out. And then this third was, you know, investing in the people, just kind of seeing what they could do. So every year set a theme. So I can see at least yearly, but how often do you recommend having these retreats? I think an annual, an annual retreat is, is ideal. Why? We have to keep in mind, although the retreats are an optimal and very important aspect of the business, it's still a business nonetheless. So disrupting the business, it will de- it will disrupt your productivity and your flow. An annual um, retreat where, as you said, your team, you have a goal for the team. It's almost like a resolution for this year. Okay, well, our New Year's resolution is, so our dynamic, our resolution for year 2024 is this. And then you'll start off the retreat by using that time to help to hash out your goals and be able to come up with a plan to get it done. So annual, I think it's good. Yeah. Now, let's say someone is interested in having a physician retreat. Tell mm-hmm. me, how do they go about doing this? And do you travel? How much notice do you need? What are the costs? Tell me all the things. Oh, absolutely. So for the retreats, I do travel. So I said my home base, I live in Houston, Texas. You know, so I do travel to other states to do the retreats. Uh, you can find out about it on, I do have it on my website. So it's your Karen Docs. Dot com. If you're on the main page, you can scroll down to private practice retreats, learn more, and you can click and you'll be able to um, see all of what we provide and why 
Um, I'm so passionate about the retreats. I also have a free download for if you're like, I at this time, I don't have the ability to have the retreat right now. I just did something last week, but I want to try to start to transform my practice. Then I have a free download, um, things like 20 something pages of just probing questions that you can start to implement in the smaller portions of your meetings. You might not be able to do the full on retreat, but you can um, start with that. Um, for hiring me for the um, retreats, um, there is on that same same website. Um, I have a calendar. We can book a call and then, you know, we can talk about um, your mission, your vision, how um, the availability of your time, how long will it take for me to do that? We have to have, of course, a few phone calls because these, the great thing about the private practice retreat is that it's an individualized practiced retreat. So your private practice is different than the one even next door, the one across the country. So we will talk about what it is that you would, you're hoping to gain from this, and then we'll come up with an outline in order to execute that for your practice. And with that, I will travel and then we'll do the practice. We'll do the retreats in your practice itself. Fantastic. Now, let's mm -hmm. say someone's not quite at the level of getting to the a retreat yet, but I know mm -hmm. you have so much out there. Tell me all the, the offerings that you have and, you know, all the places we can find you. Okay, absolutely. So, so many offerings, as I said, I have the great one is that free transformation guide for your practice. So yourcaringdocs.com. If you want to go straight to the private practice retreat website and you can remember yourcaringdocs.com backslash private dash practice dash retreats, you'll go right to that website. If not, you're like, oh my gosh, this is too many words. Just It'll go be to in the show notes. And you'll look in the show notes. Yeah, so yourcaringdocs.com and scroll down, you'll see the private practice retreat. You'll have that free guide. I do also provide, I, I interview, I am a podcaster. So if you're like, I want to get into all things, Dr. Beckford, who is this person? What is she doing? Where am I? You can see my interviews, the Dr. Tamara Beckford show. And I was honored to be graced by the one and only Dr. Amy Virtues as one of my <laughs> lovely guests. We had a great conversation. So the Dr. Tamara Beckford show, that's available on anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. Um, also on LinkedIn, I'm very, 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 very active on LinkedIn. A masterclass in LinkedIn. So, I mean, even just following you. So I encourage people to do that just for that alone. Yes. So we put out things on stress reduction and burnout prevention um, for your team and team dynamics. Um, we put out a newsletter every Sunday. So um, if you um, join our newsletter, sign up, you'll receive that to your inbox. And um, I live stream um, every Thursday on um, LinkedIn also. So those are some of the different ways. So if you're on social media, you can either put my name in, Tamara Beckford, T-A-M-A-R-A, -A -A, B as in boy, E-C-K-F-O-R-D. If you want to remember your caring docs, that's U-R-C-A-R-I-N-G-D-O-C-S. That's fantastic. Well, Dr. Beckford, thank you so much for coming on today. I think that you've given so much thought for those of us in private practice. And I do not believe that private practice is dead. I think that we just have to... Oh think about it in a different way and 
And remember, I mean, we really are building the playground, which by the way, was Seth Godin, not, it may have been mentioned on the podcast, but Seth Godin who said that, make sure you're building a playground and not a prison. And I think this is a great way to do that is to honor your staff and they will reward you richly if you do. Absolutely. I I truly believe that the answer lies within and you just have, we just need time, the space, to pull the creativity, to answer those probing questions that can help to propel your private practice. Because as we said, private practice is not dead. Not at all. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks again for coming on to the show. (laughs) Thank you for having me. For more information on the Boss Business of Surgery series, go to bosssurgery.com.